Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Follow directions. Obedience always brings blessing. And disobedience always brings destruction. That's the theme for today's Wake Up Call. Wake Up Call 062, Follow Directions. This is the Faith for My Generation podcast, and I'm your host, AJ. I want to get that across to my heart and your heart like never before. I've got a, a Wake Up Call here episode today that I'm really, really excited about. And it's that simple. Follow directions. When the Lord gives us instruction, when He gives us direction, when He tells us to do something and how to do it, the way we should do it, we need to simply be obedient. It's that simple because obedience always brings the blessing of the Lord. And disobedience always brings destruction in some form, some way. When it comes right down to it, obedience, that's loving God. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, the Bible also tells us that disobedience simply is sin. Anything that we know that we should do that we do not do, that is sin. And so it comes down to that very basic reality. We need to follow directions. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. The way this wake-up call is going to work, I've got a several passages and portions of Scripture that I want to read and give you and kind of connect them together chronologically, and then we're going to talk our way through it. So if you would, join me as I read a, a good chunk of Scripture here in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting at verse 1, it says this, Again David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out as it was of the house of Abinab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took a hold of it. For the ox stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error or irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of God come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it and set it aside in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. 
Now, if we fast forward or flip over to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, we're going to get some more instruction and insight on what took place. 1 Chronicles, I said 14. It's actually chapter 15, starting with verses 1 through 3. David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord God has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord for its place which he had prepared for it. Verse 12 of the same chapter. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I've prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because he did not consult him about the proper order. Going back to 2 Samuel 6, starting at verse 12, now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that belongs to him. Because the ark of God, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom of the city of David with gladness. And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. What we have here is probably one of the most strange stories to me years ago. When I began reading my Bible, making a habit of reading my Bible through from cover to cover each year, I started doing that I think about four years ago. And I'm on my sixth trip through in the past four years uh, right now as we speak. The first time I read, and and let's just be honest, unless you make a point to read your Bible from cover to cover, there's going to be a lot of stories and a lot of teaching and instruction in the Bible you never pick up. If you only ever go read your favorite passages, your favorite parables, your favorite historical accounts that took place, your favorite people that lived in those Bible days, you're only going to get so much instruction from the Word of God. But the Word of God is chop full. I mean, it's just overflowing with divine wisdom and knowledge from God Almighty. And this particular instance that took place, it was very strange to me the first time I read it, and the second time, and the third time. Because each time when I began, the first few times I read through my Bible, so obviously hit 2 Samuel, then eventually hit 1 Chronicles, it, it, it was so strange to me. It's like, I'll, I'll just shoot straight with you. Honestly, when I first read this, I was like, Lord, that's kind of mean, isn't it? I mean, Uzzah, he's just trying to stop your Ark of the Covenant that you gave the people of Israel. It's on this cart. It's falling off. The ox stumble, and the Ark starts to shake, and it's going to fall off, and he just stops it from falling off. I mean, what if it fell off and was smattered into a thousand pieces? And, and, I, and so when I read it, I was like, ah, I know the Lord's perfect in all His ways, but that just seems a little rough. That just seems like tough. I mean, why did He do it? Then I hit a point finally, like second, third, fourth time around. I was like, well, you know what? God's perfect. God is right in all His ways. So I don't know why. I can't tell you why, but it's 
If God struck down Uzzah, he should have been struck down. That was my point of view. And I wasn't wrong in that. But there was more to see and understand. So the next time I pass through my Bible, I begin, and this is the beauty of daily Bible reading, you begin to remember more and more and more from from your Bible, and you begin to piece together things because the entire Bible has perfect harmony. What I mean by that is there is no place in Scripture where it disagrees or does not conform to one another. You can't read the Bible. Some people try to make that statement that the Bible is not congruent in thought or principle or idea or that there's uh, contradictions in Scripture. The only people who say that are people who have not actually studied the Bible. They may have read it through once or twice, but they have not studied the Bible. There is no contradiction in Scripture. And if I think there is, it's because I don't know the Scripture well enough. Because I would read this, and let's be honest, if you read this, and maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this or read through this portion when I was reading it for you, you might think, well, there's a contradiction. I thought God's all loving. I thought God is all kind. I thought God is merciful, and he just struck this guy down because he was trying to be helpful. You might think that's a contradiction. But what I did in in the best way I could is kind of put together in chronological order 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 15 and give you the nuggets there of what's going on. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, had not been brought back to Jerusalem. It was left in a city by Saul. Saul and his sons are struck down in battle. David then has become, he, he becomes king and is announced king as over all Israel. It's an interesting thing. David ruled and reigned over Judah and Benjamin for like seven years, and then eventually all of Israel names him king for 33 years, and he serves as king for 40 years. Well, Shortly after he becomes inaugurated, I guess you might say, ordained as king over all the nation of Israel, he makes a decision, we need to get the ark of the Lord back into the tabernacle. We need to get it back where it's supposed to be. It's in this city. We need to bring it back to Jerusalem. So they decide to go do that. Well, as they're doing so, they build this brand new cart, verse 3, to put the ark of the Lord on. Problem. God never told them to put it on a cart, an ox cart. Think of a wagon. God never told them to do that. You might think, okay, if God didn't tell them to do that, why did they do it? Because that's what the Philistines did. In 1 Samuel 6, verse 7, when the Philistines, when when they steal the ark of the Lord in battle, um as a trophy, really, as defeating Israel. The Ark of the Lord, whatever city it's in, it begins to just spiritually fight its own battle. The Spirit of God begins to, to, to war against the Philistines so that they just keep like, we don't want this thing anymore. Get it out of our city. Take it to the next city. And so like, there's like people getting hemorrhoids and like their god Dagon, this giant god falls over and then they lift it back up the next night. The Spirit of the Lord pushes it over and busts it all up. And I mean, they just like, eventually they get sick and tired of this ark because now they're getting like boils and all this stuff being attacked. <laughs> they're being attacked. There's there's mice and rats running through the place. So they're like, okay, you know what? Let's just get rid of this ark of the Lord. Get it back to the people of Israel. Okay, how are we going to do that? They decide to build a brand new cart. Someone, one of their priests, pagan priests, says, build a brand new cart, put two milk cows on it, 
that have never been yoked before, never carried a cart, and let them just walk and actually leave their calves behind, which is not the natural instinct of a mother cow to leave its calf behind. But they said if it's of the Lord, those cows will just keep on walking and forget that their calves are even behind behind them. So they put the Ark of the Lord on the cart. These cows, I guess by the leading of the Spirit, take this cart back into the boundaries of Israel, back into the nation of Israel. Someone sees it. They sacrifice those cows unto the Lord, and they use the cart as wood and the cows as a sacrifice because they're so happy that the Ark of the Lord's come back. It never makes it any further than that. It never gets back to Jerusalem. So David says, all right, let's take it to Jerusalem. Let's take it back to Jerusalem, the city of David. Well, they put the ark on a cart, just like the Philistines. Problem. God never commanded them or gave them direction or instruction to do that. They just imitated what they saw the Philistines doing. If you would allow me, I'm going to use several analogies today in today's wake-up call. You can't carry the anointing and the presence of God the world's way. Just because the world does something a certain way doesn't mean that's how you and I should carry our lives. You know, I, um, Luke chapter 5, Jesus goes up to Peter. Peter lets him use his boat to preach from. And then Peter, then Jesus tells Peter, cast your net over to the side of the boat and catch some fish. Peter says, Master, we've been fishing all night. We're pros at this. We haven't caught one fish all night. Now it's daytime. This is a bad time to catch fish with a net in broad daylight. They can see the net. Uh, we've all, we're, we're dead tired. We want to go home. We'd rather just go home and go to sleep, You know, eat something, go to sleep. But nevertheless, at your word. We'll do it. So then he casts the net, and he catches a massive catch of fish. Nevertheless, at your word. See, you and I, we must live our lives according to the instruction of God's word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter if it seems crazy to the world. It doesn't matter if that's not how the world does it. It doesn't matter if that's how not how your your sin you know sinner friends or family. And I don't say that mean. I don't say that hard hearted. I was dead in sin, and I've been saved and redeemed and made a saint of God. You were dead in sin, and you've been saved and redeemed and made a saint of God. But I shouldn't allow or take cues or instruction from people who are dead in sin on how to live life when the Bible clearly gives me instruction on how to live life. And that's what the Israelites were doing. They had a good plan, or rather they had a good intentions is what I should say. David had good intentions. I want the ark of the Lord back into Jerusalem. They went around it, they went about it the wrong way. They tried to do it the they tried to do it the world's way. And we can't use the world's ways to handle the things of God. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let me read it for you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What does it tell us? Very familiar scripture. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to submit our mind, our thinking, to the renewal process of the word so that we will be transformed. Part of transformation means you look different. You act different. That word transform, metamorpho, is where we get our English word metamorphosis. 
Well, when I hear that word, I immediately think of like grade school biology. And we, when we talked about caterpillars making a cocoon, and then they become about butterfly, not biology, science class. Right? You, do you ever study that in science class? My daughter, she's two years old. She loved the book growing up. I say growing up. She's only two. When she was very young, when she was much younger, she loved the Hungry Caterpillar book. Everything Hungry Caterpillar. Loved it. What does the Hungry Caterpillar do? He eats and eats, eats, eats. Then he makes a cocoon. Then he pops out of it and he becomes a butterfly. Metamorphosis. Metamorpho. When you submit your mind to the Word of God, you will be transformed you'll be transformed. That's just how it works. And I can't handle the things of God the world's way. Secondly, the Lord gave clear instruction, clear instruction to the Levites, don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. Don't touch the Ark of the Lord. In Numbers chapter 4, specifically verses 15 through 20, the Lord is giving the sons of Kothath, which are members of the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi was given the privilege and responsibility of serving the Lord in the tabernacle, in sacrifice, in leading of worship, in singing and praise, and in tearing down and setting up the tabernacle. Yeah. And the Kothites had specifically the job of breaking everything down, carrying it to its next destination, and setting it back up. That was during their wilderness journey because of their sins. But they were given the instruction before they even sinned in Numbers chapter uh, 11 is when they sin and have to wander in the desert till that old generation that refused to believe God dies off. So God gave them specific instruction. The Lord has given you and me specific instruction. When the Bible tells us, do not lie, don't lie. When the Bible tells us, do not take the name name of the Lord in vain, we should not take the name of the Lord in vain. When the Bible tells us, do not forsake the assembling together of brethren, coming together, going to church, meeting up for Bible study, serving and ministering in church, we shouldn't neglect that. When we see in Scripture of the habits of people like Jesus, the apostles, Old Testament saints, where they daily were in prayer, where they constantly study the Word of God, so should we. God has given us instructions, and we have to obey them. Because if we don't, destruction will follow. Disobedience produces destruction. Obedience produces blessing. Now, this is... This is something I never saw before. I've read this story before. I've read it before, and I, I've not saw this. I didn't see this until yesterday when I was studying for this wake-up call, getting ready to, to minister this. Uzzah. Uzzah is the gentleman that reached out and touched the ark of the Lord when the ox stumbled and the cart was shaking and the ark I assume was looks like it was going to fall off. He just you know reached out and touched it. His name is Uzzah. His name in Hebrew literally means strength. Uzzah means strength. If you will, 
follow the analogy here that I, that I saw in Scripture, and I believe it to be a good one, and it's a scriptural one because I have some referen- a reference here I want you to hear and see, two of them actually. Uzzah, name, his name means strength. We cannot rely on our own strength to work the work of God, to do the things of God. When Uzzah, whose name means strength, reached out in disobedience because he's not allowed to touch the ark and, and was intended to use his strength to hold up the ark of God, the ark of the Lord, which is a representation of the presence, the anointing, and the power of God. When he decided to use his strength to help, air quotes for those that are listening and not watching, watching, air quote, help God, he was struck down. If you and I, if we attempt to do what God has called us to do in our own strength, it will crush us. It will consume us. It will destroy us. My example, a personal example, my, I am called to full-time ministry as a pastor. If I tried to pastor and I tried to do everything out of natural strength, out of my own natural strength, if I try to use natural wisdom, if I try to do everything which a lot of folks unfortunately do, especially in Western Christianity, we have a lot of people listening to this podcast, uh, a good many of you from Canada are listening, the United Kingdom, and then we have a lot of good friends and family that are listening, part of the faithful from many other places in, in the earth, but I know specifically in those type nations, the U.S., United Kingdom, Canada, this Western thinking is in our minds that sometimes we want to do ministry like it's a business. You know what? Jesus said I had to be about my father's business, so I'm not going to harp on that too much. But, and there is a proper order to do things. You can be organized. You can have good administration, administrative processes. You can, have, you can implement good systems, and we need to. Like, there's a lot of natural things we can do. But everything we do naturally, we have to surrender it and submit it to God for Him to bless it and anoint it. Because if I'm doing everything for God completely in the natural, without prayer, without commitment to study of the Word, without living uh, according to the Word of God, without prayer, with times of prayer and fasting, without getting a leading of the Holy Spirit, without following His voice and always just doing what seems by the eye or the ear natural. If I get in that trap, I'll destroy myself and others with me. And that's what happened to Uzzah. He tried to use his own strength. He tried to use his own strength to do a job that he wasn't supposed to do. He wasn't called to do that. He had no right, no authority by God to touch his Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Lord. And see, here's the thing. Uh, Pause real quick. If by chance, and I guess this is a poor planning on my part. If you don't know what the ark is, the ark of the Lord, I'm not talking about, of course, Noah's ark, though the word is the same spelling. I'm talking about this box that the Lord showed Moses in the book of Exodus to create. This box is covered in gold. I believe it's made from gopher's wood. Inside this box 
has Aaron's rod, his staff, that bloomed. So it's a, it's a staff. It's a piece of wood that's been cut and polished and used as a walking staff. But in the book of Numbers, when people were trying to um, accuse Aaron of just you know doing his own thing and not being called to the Lord, the Lord caused his staff to blossom. It was an almond made from almond trees. So it actually blossomed and had almonds on it. That staff's in there, as well as the Ten Commandments, the two tablets. They're in there, as well as a bowl of manna, the bread that fell from heaven that when they saw it, they said, what is it? What is it? Which is what manna means, literally, what is it? That's in there. And on top of this ark are two uh, carved cherubims with their wings stretched forth, touching each other. And they have poles. The ark have poles running through it so that four Levites could carry the poles with the ark balancing. There would have ringlets and that poles would slide through the rings. And these four Levites would carry the ark on their shoulders on these poles, not touching it, just carrying it. Instead, they did it the way they saw the Philistines do it. So I pause for that moment. If you didn't know what that is, I'm sorry I should have clarified earlier. So Uzzah tried to use his own strength to carry the work of the Lord. Zechariah 4 verse 6 tells us this. And he answered and said to me, the word, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How is God going to get his work done on the earth? He's going to do it through you and me. Have no doubt about it. He has need of you and me to do his ministry work on the earth. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us we are ministers of reconciliation, standing on the behalf as if it were God himself speaking through us. Be reconciled to God. God has need of you and me to be faithful in what he has called us to do. Because that's how the Lord operates on the earth, through his church. But he does it with his power, his holiness, his love, his truth, his word, not our strength, not our might. It will not be by our might or by our strength. Notice what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 16, verse 9, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take the pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And, and, and that's what the heart of Paul right here. You know what? In every way that I fall short, the Lord will strengthen me. And let's be honest, we do fall short. It, <laughs> I can't remember. I think it's a, a book by Pastor Dag Hayward Mills. I think it's the book entitled, What It Means to Be a Shepherd. Anyway, um, I was reading, and the section of this book that I was reading, I believe that's the one I was reading, it made the point that people that are called by God usually aren't the smartest, the fastest, the swiftest, the strongest, the prettiest, the most noble, the wisest. Usually the people that God calls, the world will ne would never call them to do anything great. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 
But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things, the insignificant or the lowly, of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God chooses foolish things to confound and confuse the world. God chooses the lowly and the base and what seems like insignificant. And that's why you and I, we must rely on the strength of God. We have to rely on His presence, on His anointing, on His calling. Rest assured, my friend, if you have been called by God, and I believe you have, in whatever way God has called you, if He has called you, He will anoint you for the task. Don't fall for the deception of trying to do it in your own strength. You'll destroy yourself just like Uzzah did. But when you learn to lean on the understanding of the Lord, when you learn to surrender all that you are to the power of God, to His instruction, when you learn to honor the anointing of the Lord and humble yourself under His mighty hand, you will be able to carry out the task and do it with full confidence and full power at your disposal. Absolutely. God will anoint you for the task because that's where I want to finish. Obed-Edom, notice this. This is amazing. David kind of like gets wind of, he gets a report that Obed-Edom, another Levite, this is where they decide, you know what, when Uzzah struck down and killed, they're like, okay, we ain't moving this thing anymore. Let's park it when Obed-Edom, he's there. He's like, well, hey, park it at my house. We're just right here near my house. So they leave the ark of the Lord at Obed-Edom's house. And the scripture says it in both instances. 1 Chronicles 15, 2 Samuel 6. (laughs) Everything in Obed-Edom's house was blessed. His whole household, everything was blessed. Can you imagine? I mean, his wife probably got pregnant again. (laughs) She's blessed. The kids are blessed. They're growing faster than all the other kids in the village. The crops are growing faster, producing more ears of corn than ever before. The animals are having more babies, more calves, more lambs, <laughs> you know, more chicks or whatever livestock they would raise in, in that area of the world. Everything is blessed. Everything in his household is blessed. I want you to see this. I wrote this down. The same power that destroyed Uzzah, blessed Obed-Edom. The same power. It was the same power. It was the same... It was the Ark of the Lord. It was the same physical mm, representation of the presence of God. This Ark that represents the presence, the power, the anointing of God... The same thing, I, can't, I, I don't like using the word thing, but I, I, I don't have a big enough vocabulary, I guess. The same thing that brought destruction to Uzzah because of his disobedience brought blessing to Obed-Edom because of his obedience. I hope you see that. I hope you get that in your heart. Follow directions. 
Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings destruction. The same power and holiness of God brought, because of disobedience, destruction and judgment against Uzzah, and in the same way brought blessing and fruitfulness to Obed-Edom's faithful, obedient heart. In fact, you see Obed-Edom, he's there again the second time. When David hears that everything he has is being blessed, he says, all right, let's go do this again. And something must have happened because this time around, as we read it, David says, okay, you Levites, you're in charge of moving this ark. And as the Lord commanded, you guys got to carry it. Not on an ox cart, on poles, as the Lord told you to. So there must have been a failure there of instruction. Maybe the Levites hadn't been reading their Bible daily. I understand they didn't have a Bible like you and I are privileged to have. They had scrolls, but nonetheless, somehow or another, there was a failure of communication or instruction or obedience concerning the Word of God. Because God had clearly made plain the instructions, the directions. And disobedience brought destruction. Obedience brought blessing. And I want you to connect that with your heart, with your life today. It really is that simple. It really is that plain. If you'll obey the Lord, in fact, let me read it for you. Isaiah. This is a good, this is a good promise. Isaiah 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient... You shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20, But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, and the mouth for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. The prophet Isaiah, speaking to the children of Israel, he says it plainly. Look, if you'll be willing, that's the heart, and obedient, that's the action, you eat the good of the land. But if you refuse, that's the heart, and rebel, action, you'll be destroyed by the sword. Because the mouth of the Lord is spoken. It's no different for you and I today. If we'll simply yield and obey will be blessed because the last thing we want to do is refuse and rebel because disobedience is always followed by destruction but i believe you and i members of the faithful we are going to continually be obedient and lord any place that we have fallen short in obedience forgive us we repent of it lord and let us move forward in faithful obedience in jesus mighty name. Hey, I'm so thankful that you joined me today for the Faith for My Generation podcast. If you're watching or listening on whatever platform it is and you've not subscribed, please do. I would love to have you subscribe. That way, every time I release a new video, a new podcast, a new episode, you get a notification and you won't miss any of them. If you're listening and you've not yet left a review on Apple or Google or Stitcher or Spotify, I would really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe. We're going to cross 1,000 subscribers here in the next few weeks, and I'm very thankful for that. Last time I checked, about 780, so that's pretty awesome. If you're on the Facebook, hey, 
give me a give me a share. Share this on your Facebook page. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't checked out the faithformygeneration.com, you can go there and everything that we do is all right there as far as the podcast goes. Hey, as well as of the time of this release, it is March 13th, and we are 12 days away from Shepherd's Conference. If you're local in the area or you want to make a road trip of it, March 25th at Gospel Tabernacle Church, I'm going to be teaching a conference, a four-lesson conference uh, called Shepherd's Conference, and it is for anyone that serves in the local church that helps makes disciples, whatever ministry that may be, from children to adults. If you help make people into strong disciples, you should come. We're going to talk about what it means to be a shepherd, good and bad shepherds, the tools of shepherding, and how to become a good shepherd. Doors open at 8. Breakfast will be served free on the house. Teaching starts at 8.40. We'll have four lessons with a couple breaks in between uh, with refreshments and giveaways. So how do you sign up? Check out the description and you'll see the signups for it. Hey, I'm very, very thankful for you. I pray that you have an awesome week as we continue to serve the Lord with everything we are, because we will be faithful, not just today, but faithful to the end, because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless you.